0: Italy. Aguero oh, I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Gavin keeps it. Skill on goal. Look at that pass. up Goal Columbus. Thanks on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Deb sees to again. And Donovan has scored!
1: Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible. Described by two uglies. Stupendous. Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius.
0: Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. And uh, we're back again to talk a little bit about a lot of different soccer things that we haven't gotten to cover the last few weeks. We've got uh, Thanksgiving this week. So. Uh, that's good for th- good for us, bad for turkeys. But the <laughs> soccer world has plenty of things going on. It doesn't stop for Thanksgiving, as you know, Beamer. That's uh, that's what we've got on the docket today. A lot of stuffing, a lot of turkey, a lot of cranberry sauce, and of course, Champions League to talk about. U.S. Men's National Team to talk about, and of course, the Columbus Crew, our team, in the playoffs this weekend, Sunday, 8 p.m. against Nashville. That's a that's a big happening as well. So uh, first off, happy Thanksgiving, Beamer. Hope you're having a, a good holiday weekend.
1: Yeah, hopefully you are as well, Bone. And I will say this before we kind of get things started here. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Because I know this is, of course, a hot stove topic, mm. right? Sports radio guys talking about Thanksgiving dishes. But like I know that the turkey and the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and gravy kind of get all the love. But for me, it's got to be like green bean casserole or a little sweet potato action, or maybe even like a corn casserole or something like that. I think those are, I think those are my top three kind of favorite Thanksgiving side dishes. Ones that kind of just go underneath the radar. Like the mashed potatoes are great. The stuffing is great. You have it once a year, the Turkey, I can live without it. I can have it. I'm more of a dark meat guy myself. So, you know, the big white meat breasts don't really do it for me, but I will say this, like, I don't know. There's so many great options. Thanksgiving week is going great for us. But yeah, man, I think I got to go with those three, like green bean casserole above all for me. Is that weird?
0: No, I don't think it's weird at all. I think actually that's that's the way you go with Thanksgiving is you you eat all these dishes that you normally don't get to eat. Because I mean, there's nothing wrong with green bean casserole. We should probably make it more often, but it just feels like a thing you have at Thanksgiving. Uh, my dad makes a uh, he puts sage sausage in the stuffing and so my dad's stuffing is one of the things I look forward to Delicious. every year. Yeah, it's really good. And having sausage in your stuffing is just, I mean, why not put some meat in there? I mean, what are, what are we doing? Like, that's let's add some meat to the stuffing. You've already got meat with the turkey. Just the more meat, the better for me. But that is really good. And I have this dish. We went down south. My wife's aunt, she moved to South Carolina, her and her husband, uh, i don't know 30 years ago so now when you go see them how do y'all even though they're from columbus like they're from here but they down there now they are fully southernified and they introduced us to a dish i had never had before was crushed pineapple over like and in multiple copious sticks of butter and then they crumble up ritz crackers on the top of it put some sharp cheddar cheese on top of that put that in the oven and then that cooks until it's all golden and crusty and crunchy and you pull it out and i never would think pineapple and cheese would be good together but let no. me tell you that mixture with all the butter and everything i don't know what you even call that thing a pineapple cracker cheese casserole I, sounds gross it's one of the best things i've ever had truly one of the best dishes i've ever had in my life so i will I never poo
1: poo anything without trying it yes you can say to yourself like yeah, that sounds so great on the palate Until I actually try something, then I can't give it like a, you know, a Passover. So it does sound wacky and weird. Yes. Like it does sound very jarring to hear that. And so I know you're a guy, a man with refined taste and a refined palate. So so (laughs) I will say that like, yeah, okay. If if T-Bone likes it, then I would probably enjoy it as well.
0: Yeah. That Thanksgiving, we went down to see her family. We spent Thanksgiving with them and they deep fried a turkey. They had that thing going on. They had all kinds of, like, sweet potato casserole and all these other southern dishes. But that was the one where I was like, I'm going to give that a courtesy try because it's been made. I, of course. You know, and they were all like, you don't even have to try this. We know it's weird. And I was like, no, no, I want to give it a shot. You know. And, and I was fully expecting to take a bite of it, try to swallow it, and then that would be, like, all I would get. And then I actually found that that was – like, everyone was eating it going, this, this is tremendous. Like, why did – How does this work? Uh, So yeah, look it up. There's, I looked it up. It's like a common, easy Southern recipe. You can find it. It's like seven ingredients or less. It's super easy to make.
1: Perfect. Yeah, that sounds like the people that put like you know cheese on an apple
0: pie. Uh, Yes, and I've never done the same thing, right? I've never done that, but I will give that a shot if 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 I can find it done the correct way. I would love to try that and see how that goes.
1: Yeah, I'm not just gonna throw like you know a craft single on some apple pie like I. I can tell you one thing like that would be disgusting.
0: Yeah, yeah I have tasted that. apple
1: pie. I have tasted craft singles. That would be no yeah, good. But yeah. if you're right, it has to be done in the correct way.
0: Yeah, I got to get a Wisconsin dairy sharp cheddar. Yes. Someone that makes this every year and is like, no, this is the way we've done this for years. This is how you do it. Yeah, that's who I want to get it from. Um, well, speaking of the South, I guess the nice thing could be we might get to like travel South in the next few years if a if a little ra- rivalry develops between the crew and Nashville um, because uh, I've I've thought that would be a fun little rivalry to have if if Chicago's going to count as a rival, right? And DC's going to count as a rival. Nashville is certainly in that footprint. It's yeah, like six, six hours, hours from away. Columbus, yeah, and that's a fun town to go to. Uh, but there there could be some bad blood there because now these two will match up uh, in the playoffs. I guess first we should talk about the crew beating the Red Bulls three to two. Very briefly, uh, it was a good performance by the crew. It was uh, a I thought pretty complete performance one we haven't seen out of this team in quite a while. Uh I'll ask you, Beamer, do you think that, because the crew kind of stumbled into the playoffs or maybe stumbled is not the right word, but they certainly weren't at their best coming into the playoffs.
1: Sure. They faltered into the playoffs, yeah, right? Yeah. They, they didn't I mean, stumble. They had already done their job to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're correct about that.
0: Yeah. But I mean, they were top three seed, right? And so that's, that's a good deal. And Uh, above that they also you know had put up the body of work like you said earlier in the season but then coming down the stretch a lot of games in a short amount of time in October Uh, I think that led to some of this a lot of injuries they were dealing with some some absences so my question is do you think this this team is the team we saw against the Red Bulls which they looked more complete they were playing the type of soccer that the crew have been known for this year when fully healthy open game they were moving the ball around they were able to defend well do you think that's who they really are and what we'll see against Nashville or like do you think that team that we've seen where they have their holes and they have their screw-ups was that just because of the compressed schedule
1: I think it could be both uh I think you understand with this team bone and you're obviously the bigger expert than I am on this but I think you can look at both situations, right? Like the compressed schedule, it is wreaking havoc on a lot of teams. And it's not just MLS. I mean, you can look across Europe right now and see teams that are struggling because of it. And the short offseason that they've had and the compressed schedule and injuries. And maybe you're not on form. But I also think at the end of the day, too, like when this team is on their day and they're in top form, they're one of the toughest teams to play against an MLS. I mean, you look at the depth of the squad. You look at the playmakers that they have. You look at the goalkeeping situation. You look at their defense. Like, top to bottom, this roster is, I mean, really stunning when you look at it. When you look at Presbez and what he's done, and then, of course, Porter and the system that they've Im- implemented in getting the guys to the right spots. And listen, sometimes it happens, you know. It's the beautiful game. It's why we love it. Sometimes you falter and you don't have these answers for it. And how can you pull yourselves up by the bootstraps to get yourself into a winning position? They did what they needed to do in the first round. You got through. You're now in a semifinals with a great opportunity against Nashville at home at Moffray on Sunday. So I do think it could be a little bit of both, but what you're hoping right now is that yes, the crew are starting to get to their best form of the season, where they could possibly replicate that middle portion of the schedule, where they were just on a week in, week out basis getting you points every single week. So I think that's what you're hoping for.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And and this team, I think, when you look at everyone, all pieces considered and all parts combined, you know, Jonathan Mensa had a best eleven season this year as one of the top defenders in the league. Like he has truly established himself as one of the leaders on this team, uh, the leader on this team. He's the captain but he he really leads not just by you know vocal leadership and that kind of thing, but by his play. I mean, he he's had such a good year. And I, and what I'm getting to is you need guys like that. Like you need the studs who come in, like Lucas Zeeller who is, you know, fresh to MLS. He's a breath of fresh air. He's had some of the most jaw dropping moments at MLS this year with some of the the shots that he's had, the plays that he's made. But it's not just that you need guys like Jonathan Mensah in the playoffs to be able to get the job done. And the crew have these guys. They have Darlington Nagby, who is who's clearly this is this is why they bring players like him in is for moments like what you're going to have Sunday moments like you had last Sunday. Like sure. you, you need these guys to step up and be big in these moments. And then you look at some of the players that have been with the crew for a while, who maybe don't get all the accolades, but they're showing up. Like Artur, I thought had a really good game against New York. Pedro Santos had an excellent game. Again, I mean, he he's really come on. Seeing the way this team has gelled, they've got veteran leadership. They've got a guy up top in Jossi Zardes, who yet again found a goal and it ended up being the winning goal when they needed it. I mean, th- these these are the these are the players that give me confidence in what the crew can do going forward. Because they've got this experience, they know the drill. They've they're not shy about these moments. They they're not going to be overwhelmed by them. And I think that's truly uh, what's what's really interesting about this crew team. And when you look around MLS right now, uh, that they've they've got one of the most solid playoff rosters you can look at, top to bottom. Uh, so I'm. I'm very excited about the chances going forward here. As I like to say on the show, very excited. That's my yeah. That's my phrase. It, I mean,
1: no, it is. <laughs> and it is exciting times for crew fans, right? And especially with the ones with YouTube TV. And now you're going to be on a national broadcast. And so that's mm, good. Yeah. At least you got that going for us, which is nice. But I will say this. Like, what are your expectations now? Because I know going into the year, right? I mean, we're talking about this team and how we think the roster is, is good. And it's proven that. And now you're the third seed in MLS Cup playoffs. You had Philly knocked out. You had Toronto knocked out. We know that. Now you are lined up as the best team remaining in the East. Do your expectations switch for you? Is it MLS Cup final or bust? Like, what is it for you now, Boone?
0: Um, it's definitely it's definitely changed a bit. I mean, I, I think going into this season, we had high expectations. Make the playoffs. Be competitive. Be really good. Keep building. Sure. Then you saw them come out in the MLS's back tournament and they looked like the best team in the league there for a little bit and certainly looked like that through part of the summer, too. So I think that's where my expectations said, maybe this is a like Eastern Conference finals type of group. And, and then you, you never know from there, like what happens after that? Who, who knows now? Right. For those who have not paid attention, Nashville is in because they knocked out Toronto. We'll talk about that more in a second. And New England got by Philly, which was the number one seed in the supporter shield winner. So the top two seeds in the East, as you mentioned, are out. You look across the league now, I mean, LAFC is done out West. They got knocked out by Seattle. Mm-hmm. So, and go figure Seattle. I mean, we. Of course. Every, it's, LAFC can't get by Seattle in the playoffs. That's another story. But, like, the thing that I'm looking at here is talent wise, you could probably say that Seattle's talent on their team is is top to bottom they've got some of the best players in mls they have proven it they've had it done that roster is really good uh kansas city's roster is really really good and in uh, the cruise roster i mean like those are the three teams i look at and say those are those rosters are as good as anyone in mls and uh maybe you can throw minnesota in there too if you want to but like those those are the ones that i look at and say yes these this is where the crew belongs so they definitely belong with the best teams in the league is what i'm saying and now toronto and philly being out of it just further gives you that option what they... a shame
1: that toronto crashed out <laughs> huh?
0: well what as michael bradley would like to point out you know they're not keeping up to the level of uh where mls is nowadays you know they really don't have the standard i think i think <laughs> what I an ass! I hate him. And good, good. The whole Bradley family can get together now for Thanksgiving because they're not busy. Because Bob Bradley's out. LAFC got knocked out. Michael Bradley got knocked out. Good. Enjoy it. Enjoy shaving your heads together wherever you are <laughs> for Thanksgiving. You bald freaks. You, you nerds. <laughs> you nerdy bald freaks. Which I say. <laughs> which I say is completely a nerd, I don't both. care. I. They're bald and they suck. That's what I know. <laughs> Screw them. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> let's talk about Nashville real quick because uh, this is the battle for the yellow jersey. N- not really. I mean, let's be clear. when You, you, you have to be in MLS for more than t- 12 seconds before you get to claim the yellow jersey and also maybe you have to win yeah, MLS Yes, so you Cup also first. have to
1: ride 15 stages in the Tour de France before you can <laughs> That's
0: get right. the yellow jersey. There you so. go, right. I'm just saying, please, the crew need to walk out to, on Sunday. They need to show up in the full banana kit and that is all I will accept from that. There is no way Nashville should be wearing the yellow kit anywhere in Columbus. And I don't care about how, like, well, we want to change an identity. And they, no, you, you're the yellow soccer team. Nashville can also wear yellow, I guess, if they want to. It's fine. But this is the yellow soccer team. Re-establish your dominance by wearing the yellow kits on Sunday. And I hope they will. Uh, but let's talk about Nashville as a team. I'll give you a little rundown watching this game. Watching Please them over this. season. Please preview them
1: for me. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. So they have the MLS Defender of the Year and Walker Zimmerman, who came over from LAFC last year, where he was also very, very good, and he they, he's been a rock for them. He is one of the reasons why this team is top three in the league as far as fewest goals given up. They I think have ten, their goalkeeper has like ten or eleven shut, shutouts on the year. I mean, whoa. Yeah, they're, 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 they're a tough team to break down and to get a, a goal against. They are very good, organized in the back. This is their story. They don't score a ton of goals. They don't give up a ton of goals. So that's just what you're going to get out of uh, Nashville. But in this game yesterday, watching them against Toronto, it was jarring because they were not a team scared to play. They were not a team that was just parking the bus and hoping they could weather 35 shots from Toronto. They outshot Toronto by like a two-to-one margin, they were on the front foot for a lot of the game. They had probably, Beamer, three or four goals. Let me rephrase that. They had three goals, I think, at least pulled off for being offside. Like, they they were caught offside multiple times. It was not like it was unfair or wrong, but they had three goals taken off the board where they scored, they started celebrating, and then the flag came up, and... So they had that going for them. And they had three or four like complete sitters they just whiffed on. I mean, they were getting wide ass open, as Bruce Arians would say. Wide ass open. <laughs> they were getting wide ass open. Wide and just eyes. they could not finish uh on a lot of these chances. Uh, but man, they were they were breaking down Toronto like nothing I've seen. And I do think the crew have a better defense than Toronto does, but it is just worth pointing out that. Nashville is not just a team that can can just sit back there and absorb 50 shots and then they're going to go get us a, a crappy goal and that's it they've done that but they are also a team that does try to play and actually does have some scores uh yonder Cadiz, he was their designated player striker he was everywhere on Tuesday night had a lot of chances didn't Barry, one of them, had had multiple opportunities, couldn't finish it. Hanny Mukhtar was very good as well. Another uh, top player that they brought in, kind of a big signing for them to start off their team. But Dax McCarty's the guy that I, I focus on. Like I was not talking related about
1: related to Dax Shepard.
0: No, not re- not related at all. But Dax McCarty has been in MLS for a you know long time played for Dallas for many years, played for New York for a ton of years and on some really good teams there. He's just, he's been in the playoffs. He's been tested. He knows what to do in these situations. Uh, So he's one of those guys like a Darlington Nagby. And I think their matchup is actually going to be pretty pivotal on Sunday. Uh, But you know, Guy who can organize you, keep keep things together in the midfield, uh, keep guys calm when things get a little distressed. So he's going to be, I think, a big key for Nashville and for what they can do against the Crew. So those are some of the reasons why I'm concerned about this Nashville game. But now I'm going to tell you why I'm confident the Crew will find a way to win.
1: Yes, please do. Stop being a negative
0: bone. I won't. I won't be negative bone anymore. Um, the first reason is the crew already beat Nashville earlier this year. I know that doesn't always mean everything, but if you go back and watch that game, one of the things the crew did really well in that game where they beat uh, Nashville 2-0 at Moffray um, Stadium was they were always, they, not always, but they were able to generate chances by pressuring that back line. Uh, Nashville's back line is very good at stopping you, but there are there are plenty of opportunities if the crew get up there and get in their face Jossie did it a few times. Pedro Santos did it multiple times. Zellerayon, like if, if you get in their face, they are prone to giving you the ball back in their half of the field. And then the crew were excellent on generating those turnovers and going. And I think that's going to be one of the keys they're going to have to do again to beat Nashville this time. Uh, Also Nashville is playing their; They will be playing their third game in eight days when they play this game against the crew. So, you know, the crew have been resting since Sunday And Nashville just played, you know, on Tuesday. And then now they're both going to play again this Sunday. It's not unheard of, right? I mean, Nashville, Toronto was rested too. And Nashville just whooped their ass. So, I mean, it's not to say that that's the only reason this this is going to go this way. But I do think that plays into the crew's hands as well because they're resting. They have health. They have all their talented players ready to go. uh, And I do think the crew may be the best team left in the playoffs when fully healthy, which they are. So, Uh, Yeah, I do think the crew are going to get it done against Nashville. To give you a quick preview around the rest of MLS, uh, you've got New England and Orlando who will play at 3 o'clock on Sunday. The crew play at 8 o'clock. Of course, the crew game will be heard on the fan. Coverage starts at 745, but it will also be on ESPN. That uh, New England-Orlando game will be on ABC. Whoever wins those two games will meet up and play December 6th. Uh, And then on the West, you've got December 2nd. You've got Sporting Kansas City taking on Minnesota. That is one versus four. That's on FS1. December 1st, right before that, FC Dallas, the sixth seed takes on number two seeded Seattle. Uh, That also will be on FS1. Those two teams will play as well on December 6th. The MLS Cup final is December 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. Do you know what else is on December 12th, my friend, as of Uh, right now?
1: Me me thinks it may be a little... football rivalry mm. game between Ohio State mm. and meat chicken
0: yeah so if the crew could find a way I mean that's you know they've still got to beat Nashville they've got to beat the winner of New England and Orlando and then they've got to get you know they, then they would have that MLS Cup game if they can do those two things that would mean <laughs> Saturday December 12th in Columbus Ohio could be could be quite the day is all I'm going to say about that and sadly no fans will be able to go to any of these things but, which sucks but Yeah, at the very least, it would would be a very interesting sports day in Columbus, Ohio. So uh, just keep that in mind as we move forward. All right, That would be amazing. Could you imagine that? Talking about
1: that sports day.
0: Yeah. I I mean, it just sucks that, for the most part, you wouldn't have 108,000 people in the shoe and then have 25,000 people at a Montfrey Stadium on the same day. That would be... It's too bad we can't do that right now. I understand why we can't, but... Man, that will be, yes, could be one of the biggest sports days in Columbus, but a long way to go before we get there. So Sunday, Nashville, three or eight o'clock against the crew, all the coverage, of course, on the fan. Uh, let's talk about uh, Champions League, Beamer. Let's go over to that. Um, you, were, you were watching all the Champions League action yesterday. I got to catch a little bit of it. Um, well, yes,
1: you work uh, during when the Champions League <laughs> is going on. For me... I just get to sit on my fat ass and enjoy it because I've been done with work for like, you know, seven hours at that point. So it's almost bedtime. Uh, But yeah, I will say this. So I think CBS Sports has done a really nice job where you can kind of pick and choose the games that you want to watch. Right. But I think they're so they have a show called The Galazzo Show and I've just tuned into that. So if you're familiar with like Red Zone, right. Right. You bounce around from all the games to games. They do that on CBS Sports Network. So if you have that as your kind of, you know, one of your channels and you don't want to pay for the CBS Sports Premium and uh, the game-by-game package, like, this is a really good way because they hop around from game to game uh, and show you all the buildups and the goals and everything. So it's really cool. It all started yesterday. Chelsea were the first team to punch their ticket to the round of 16 uh, against Wren. So there you go, Chelsea fans. I'm sure uh, that you were really happy about that one. Uh, O'Doy scored. And then Giroux puts things away in the 91st minutes, uh, and which was going to look like a draw, but uh, again, Drew put that one away. Sevilla, uh, amazing, amazing story, right? I saw them tweet out that they were, uh, you know, when you realize you qualify for the round of 16, you cannot win another Europa league trophy. You can't win your seventh Europa league because we know they've won that like a hundred <laughs> times, which was hilarious that I thought that they, uh, they pulled that out. So those two moved through. And I will say this. It was a great day yesterday just to be able to watch these games uh, and to really get the flow of everything. So Manchester United is unbelievably on top of their group, which I can't even I, fathom. That's
0: what I was I was going to bring up to you is that I if you looked and saw and just hadn't been paying attention that they had a loss in the group, and then you saw who was in the group, you would have said, well, <laughs> of course, they lost to like PSG, uh, or maybe they lost to RB Leipzig. No, no, they lost to Istanbul, but good news, they avenged that loss yesterday.
1: Yeah, they did. They they lost the last time out to Istanbul, Bashak Shahir, and the only reason I know how to say that is because the guys in the announcing were saying it a million times yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I picked that up. 4-1, absolutely just... Came out bone and won the game after 20 minutes. I mean, it was over. Bruno Fernandez put the stamp on. Yeah, yeah. Two goals for him. The first one was just a I mean, missile from outside the box. Uh, and then just horrible defending from Istanbul. Marcus Rashford gets played in from Bruno, and then Rashford tumbles down. It's a spot kick. There you go. Three-nil Manchester United. And then Daniel James settled it up uh, in the 92nd minute as they win four to two. They're on top of that group right now. Which listen, that group is crazy because you don't know what is going to happen. That loss for United against Istanbul Shahir, may cost them a round or a spot in the last. Oh, 16. they'd be well, they'd uh, be
0: they'd be through right now, right? If they had that win,
1: not tech, not technically. Uh, I guess there'd be tiebreakers. They'd be, yeah, correct because they would be on 12 points. But if they get a point in the other one of those games, they would automatically be through. So instead of having 12 points right now for United, they're sitting on nine. They are the leaders in the group. They have eight. Plus eight is the goal differential. PSG with a big win yesterday against Leipzig. They won 1-0. It was a fascinating game. Leipzig tried everything they could do at the end to try and get the equalizer. They were unable to do so. PSG now in second in that group. They are on six points with a plus one goal differential, and then Leipzig now in third with a minus three. Istanbul Başakşehir, uh, uh, of course, in last with in third place with that well, one.
0: I was just going to throw Go out there for for Man United. I mean, they play PSG. I want to say on the second of December is their next game. Yeah, and next so week. if they get a point out of that game, that should get them through to the next round. It won't guarantee they win the group, obviously, but if you get a point out of that, then the best that PSG can do is nine. Uh, and then you're then you're through because you would have you'd be on 10 or actually they would know. Yeah, the best I guess they would still be on. Technically, they could do 10 as well. So that doesn't seal it up. Right. Because they'd have seven Correct. points. But, but anyways, be, you could go a, a long way. PSG go a long your,
1: way. Yeah, especially with the goal differential. I mean, I know yeah, that you feel pretty can make good. Up a, yeah, they can make up a ton of goals when they want. So it's something that you would have to watch out for with their last game being against Istanbul. But yeah, that's that's the interesting group for right now. Barcelona against Kiev. It was nil nil at halftime. It was disgusting. Uh, and then story of the day, I oh. think yesterday in the Champions League, bone was it not? I mean, the two Americans so. getting on the field and Sergino Dest scored a goal yeah. for Barcelona. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, so Barcelona is the new team America, by the way. So uh, sorry, Fulham, that's no longer your title. Uh, even though you no. do have an American playing for you, uh, but Sergino Dest is uh, boy, it's it's exciting, right? To know that this is a guy who was going to probably earn that spot on the right back, you know, part anyway for Barcelona. But then you had an injury and now he is just the guy and he is absolutely making the most of that opportunity. And then Conrad De La Fuente getting in the young uh, U.S. national teamer as well, who uh, both those guys on the field at the same time, there was a moment going around virally on Twitter where I think it, yeah, Dest ball goes out of bounds and he goes over to throw it in and he tosses it right to De La Fuente, who then like flips it back to him. And it's just like two Americans, two guys who are going to be hopefully playing in the world cup together at some point. And they're playing for Barcelona right now. Like they are, that's, that's (laughs) invaluable. Like just to have two guys on the team that also play their professional, you know, in their professional group together on their professional side. But to do that in champions league and to do it for a club like Barcelona, The future is very bright for the U.S. men, and and that future is coming quickly because, uh, yeah, Sergino Dest looks looks like the real deal, and he is one of many Americans getting a shot in Champions League. I think there are 10 guys uh, who were named to rosters back uh, for the uh, first round of— He had
1: seven play yesterday.
0: Yeah, seven yesterday. Seven, I think, it
1: was the record. It was the yeah, record for Americans most that have, in one match day playing.
0: Yeah, most you've ever had it playing in one match day. Ten guys were named to rosters that started out the Champions League back at the you know, onset of this uh, group play. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 exciting to see. And that's not even talking about a guy like Yunus Musa, who, fingers crossed, he stays with the U.S. men's national team. But that kid, 17-year-old Arsenal product, who plays for Valencia and is tearing it up right now, and the U.S. Greg Berhalter reached out to him because his mother's Ghanaian. They moved to Italy after he was born, but you know where he was born? New York City, because mom was on vacation. Great. Mom was on vacation and gave birth <laughs> to him in New York. So he is he has American citizenship, and he is able to play for the U.S. Hell yes, and he did, and he came out. They they called him. He's he's in the English youth national system, and he's played for them. And they called him up and said, "Hey, you want to come over here and play?" And he did, and he bossed it in the midfield with Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. That is, oh my gosh! If they get that kid to stay, and I think they will, future is very bright for the U.S. men's national team with Gio Reyna yeah. and De La Fuente, like we talked about. Serginho Dest is under twenty, or is twenty, I think. Gio Reyna just turned eighteen. My God, my God, that could be good. But anyway, back to Champions League. U.S. men's national team, good things. I'm excited
1: about. Yeah. It. It was really cool. I don't know what the announcer's name is for the Galazzo show on CBS sports, but like he was going nuts. Right. And mm-hmm. he was like, I can't believe there are yeah, two players of the field at the same time for Barcelona. He's like, we're talking about Barcelona right here. Like just going absolutely crazy. And I thought it was hilarious. Like, now I'm getting all excited about it. I'm like, this is amazing. And then when you're right, they had the little tic-tac back and forth between each other. Like he was just losing his damn mind. So it was, uh, I don't know, man. It is pretty cool being an American right now. And then I saw, I believe it was Jamie Carragher after the game who was on some of the coverage when they went back to the studio and that was a big talking point, right? Like Americans in the Champions League. And Jamie Carragher's like, yeah, we'll see it when they hoist the World Cup. <laughs> they like all started laughing. I'm like, I don't think you have a World Cup there, bud. So, yeah, yeah, I don't uh, think I don't so. I don't know what there's to be laughing about. But I know. it is uh, it is exciting. You know, it's exciting times for the U.S. men's national team. And, um, yeah, Bone, it's just – it really is cool considering what happened in the last cup cycle and being the most disappointed – you've ever been as a national team fan and now having all of this hope as to where these young kids are now coming out and they're starting to produce, which is something, that we have heard about for a long time, but the closer and closer that we get, the more you're starting to see them produce across the biggest stages in the game, in Europe, in the champions league. It's just all a great indicator of hopefully what is to come from this team uh, in the future.
0: Yeah, I really hope so. And for those wondering, Eunice Musa, I say, I hope they can keep him because He is not technically cap-tied yet because he doesn't have an international cap. Playing in the friendlies doesn't do that for you. So he did play for the U.S. multiple times, but he won't get a chance to be cap-tied, I don't believe, until June. I think that's when the official World Cup qualifying matches start back up for 2022. So he will have an opportunity then, and I just hope that, hopefully the U.S. can just keep him and Greg Berhalter. They've got a good tie-in. They've got uh, one of his former coaches, I believe, they've got a good connection with uh, there, yeah, Valencia. So let's hope, man. Let's just keep the fingers crossed. But, yeah, even if he doesn't pan out, like a lot of good talent on this U.S. men's national team. And we didn't even talk about a guy who didn't even play in that cycle, Christian Pulisic, who is uh, back healthy, by the way, this weekend against uh, Tottenham for Chelsea. So we'll see if he makes it into the uh, starting 11 or if just makes it on the bench. But, Christian Pulisic fully healthy this weekend, so that's a good sign as well for him and the U.S. national team.
1: Yeah, it is, and uh, kind of finishing off our Champions League stuff before yeah. we uh, move on back, back onto the Premier League. I will say this: uh, Erling Holland is a freak. Oh, like
0: that dude. That I, dude. I
1: don't. I don't understand him. Like physically, I, I just he's goofy. Like the, is. the way that he runs. Like he's goofy. I don't. I don't. He's an, almost an alien. Like, I know that we talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and what he does and how he's, you know, just, like, built in the lab. And, like, yeah, I get it. We've seen him for years and years and years do this. Like, Erling Holland you're that big and you're that strong. You should not be that fast and have that good of a touch. He's got everything you could possibly want. He's the leading goal scorer now in the Champions League. I believe he has six or seven goals. Man, just what the dude does on a game-in, game-out basis. He's played in 12 Champions League games, I think, and he's got 15 goals.
0: That is right. <laughs> like, is so ridiculous. I don't know.
1: Yeah, he's, he's ridiculous. He's going to be one of the best strikers in the world. I, he already is one of the is. best strikers in the world. He is. He's he is got, going
0: to be one of the best strikers in the world for the next 15 years. Like, he's he, got, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. 17 goals, I think, in 13 matches this season. And he's just, yeah, otherworldly. And, and you're right. Like, if you put Cristiano Ronaldo and Erling Holland together and had them like stroll through a mall where people were just, you know, oblivious to who Cristiano Ronaldo was but they knew what soccer was. And you walked up to them and were like, one of these guys is like, you know, the best player in the world. And the other one's mm-hmm. Christian, Cristiano Ronaldo, like <laughs> right. the best striker in the world. Like they, I don't think people would understand, like, you know, arguably the guy you would want if you are in a must win game and you could put one guy up there to play forward for you. You want Erling Holland right now, as much as Cristiano Ronaldo is obviously doing great things in his own right, and he's done them for many, many years. But right now, for my money, if I had to take one guy in a big game, I'll take Erling Holland. I think that's that's where I'm going right now. And it's he's six foot four. He yes, he doesn't like he's goofy and lanky, and when he runs, it's kind of like it's funny looking. Lunched
1: over odd. <laughs> But and he is a freak. Deadly. He is a freak in the deadly. nicest way that I can put it.
0: He's deadly, man. Yeah, and it's just I, – I, yeah, it is so interesting. That's what I love about soccer is you can be like a goofy-looking kid like him. You can be this prototype like Cristiano Ronaldo is. Or you can be Lionel Messi who looks nothing like either of those two dudes and is built completely differently and be the best player in the world. And And, you know, it's just – you know you can there's so many other examples of this where you just go around and look at different players and say that guy doesn't look like he belongs on the field with the rest of these dudes but yet they find find a way to be the best player in the world and it's just yeah it's it's a really fun game and that's why that's why we enjoy it so yeah, yeah. it but is uh, quite amazing Holland. man yeah he's 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 a study right right there for sure yeah. like just a
1: also like, jane on sancho the goal that he scored in yesterday's game my god
0: like oh jeez yeah, the free
1: he... kick where he just whipped it right over the wall and had some side swerve to it like that was goofy. And then Juventus, uh, they got past Faros. Fereng- I don't even know how to say that. Anyways, 2-1. Late winner in that one by Alvaro Morata. You had uh, Mirto Uzuni, who scored a goal against Juventus yesterday and did Cristiano Ronaldo's celebration. <laughs> At the Juventus
0: stadium, <laughs> like
1: Ronaldo hey. scored and he was pissed off. Man.
0: Yeah, it was.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They got the they got the win, and it was. I, I literally I watched it. and I'm like, boy, that uh, takes some quite the cojones to do that.
0: Yeah, it does. But you know what? Hey, man, if you can if you can score of the course. goal, have fun with of it. Course. Like you know, you're not advancing, and you know they're gonna beat you, but. Hey, have your moment and, and go viral for a little bit. That's And your fans will love it, right? The fans know you're going to lose, but the fans will all respect that for the rest of time for Guy's that guy. Hero. Yeah, to be Guy's like, yeah, hero. that's right. He showed Cristiano Ronaldo what's up. Uh, but yeah, so Barcelona Juventus easily through now in their group. That's all done. Um, Dortmund looks like they'll be through. They're on nine points in their group uh, with two matches to play. And Lazio have eight. Then you've got Club Rouge, who have only – nice story – Last year, but uh, they're only on four points right now, so I don't think. I mean, I guess they could theoretically catch up. Dortmund will be. Uh, it would be. I would be surprised if they don't make it all the way through, and they'll be fine. Um, anything else you want to touch on in the Champions League?
1: Not really. No. Okay. I mean, we got a bunch of match day today. If you could uh, figure it out, soccer podcasting day is Wednesday. and yeah, it's yeah. Wednesday morning, so we don't have the rest of the results, but yeah, should be a, yeah. a, a fun little fun little week. We wanted to do this because of last night's. Uh, Nashville game, Yeah, so we wanted to do it Wednesday morning before the big turkey day tomorrow Yeah, so we figured go, maybe not reason.
0: on Thanksgiving Day would be not the day to record this podcast It's kind of what no. we, we were trying to figure That out, we thought maybe not on Thursday But yeah, today the matches, which by The time you listen to this, you may have already heard some of this Uh You know, Group A with Bayern Atletico, that that group is going Today, uh, you've got Group B with Shakhtar Donitz And uh, Moinchen Gladbach And Real Madrid Inter Milan, that's that's the group right there. That's a fun one to watch. Of course. Uh, and then, of course, Group C, Man City is up on that one. Porto, Olympiacos, and Marseille. And Group D is Liverpool, Ajax, Atalanta. And my favorite one to say, Mid-Yetland, which I never get exactly. right. Like Mich- there you go.
1: Like a Michelin star. <laughs> there
0: you go, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so there you go that's that's who's in action today those that those groups are all playing today so and then the next match day after that is like we said I think the first or second of December right around there so don't have to wait very long for uh, match day five that's good the compressed schedule is a lot of fun Uh, you want to move on to uh, Premier League anything there I mean the, the only thing I had really is just to look at this weekend big game for Chelsea and Tottenham that's a good matchup two teams in the top four Tottenham obviously leading the league right now, although Liverpool is uh, back. They are (laughs) right there with Tottenham, 11.30 Sunday on NBC Sports. I don't know if Pulisic will play in that one, but he is healthy. Uh, But, yeah, that's the big game I see on the schedule this week. But what else do you see there?
1: Yeah, that's about it, Bone, for me. I mean, Tottenham and Chelsea, like you said, number one versus number three. Chelsea with a win can overtake Tottenham, at least for now, uh, in first place, depending on what Liverpool does this weekend against Brighton so big yeah. big time game uh there in London and I know that a lot of the Tottenham supporters and a lot of Chelsea supporters will be uh, revved up for that one for sure
0: exactly right I would be rooting for Chelsea but I've moved on I'm a Fulham man now as you know exactly <laughs> my love for Fulham that's uh but of course I'll be rooting for Chelsea in spirit especially Pulisic's playing uh one last thing real quick I forgot to bring this up just because we talked about it before did you see Beamer we talked last year when they'd made this decision in the MLS, Chicago redesigned their logo last year and it was all kinds of horrible and terrible and bad. Well, Chicago has announced whoops a doozy. We're going to redo the logo again because everyone hates it. Now they are not going to have it done for the 2021 season But they will redo the logo, they have said, and then have new uniforms, new branding, all that stuff in time for 2022. But they I I give them credit, man. Everyone hated it. They said, well, let's see it on the field and let's see what people think. Everybody still hated it. And so now they're saying, all right, cool. We can't redesign it for 2021. But as soon as we can redo this, we will and we'll do it better next time. So sucks they got it wrong. But I applaud them for at least now saying "We, we screwed up. We need to get it right.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, very stupid in the beginning. We talked about that. I'm no expert with logos or anything like that in design, but it was very bad. And like you said, credit to them because you realize you got it wrong and you're only as strong as your fan base. The fan base hated it and the logos are for your fans to support and wear proudly they didn't want to do that so go change the logo good for them
0: yeah and also of course chicago won't have uh, anything to occupy them with regards to the playoffs so they have plenty of time in this off season to work on the logo so yeah little way little way to finish off the show with some chicago fire hatred which i'm all about that's that's how we roll uh that is it for us thank you guys again for listening and uh yeah till next time thanks for checking out bone and beam united we'll see you later